Right. Welcome, everyone. Um, hopefully, for those on Zoom as well, you would, be see, you would have seen some of the pictures from last week's Midsummer event. Unfortunately, the last Midsummer event. So, um, yeah, but thanks to, to all the people who've been involved, especially Simon, because he's done an amazing job over the last 23 years. When he, yes, yes, come on, yes, yes. When he started, he looked like Josh. <laughs> Touche. Right, we've got the mood of the room this morning. Right, well done, well done, everybody. Right, just to say, um, it is very warm this morning, so the more you dance, the more you wave your arms around, then um, the cooler it gets for everybody. Um, but actually, on a, on a serious note, for, for those, yeah, if you're waving flags, it's, it's, it makes things a lot better. Um, why isn't there a fan up here for the worship team? That's all I want to know. Anyway, um, just to say, uh, there is some jugs of water at the, at the back of the, of the church. So Martin will not take offense in the middle of his sermon if you just all start getting up and getting glasses of water. Um, just don't walk out. That's all we ask. So, um, so yes, anyway. So uh, as I say, um, so welcome to you all this morning. Welcome to those on Zoom. Wave to Zoom. Hello, Zoomers. Yay! I can see your mother there waving. There we go. Yes. Um, uh, I'm Steve, and I'll be taking you through the service. If you're a visitor here today, we pray that you'll have a wonderful time. Um, we have got a new song in the first start, start, um, in the, in the first group of, of worship that we're doing, but you'll pick it up easily. It's, it's a really easy one for you to learn. Um, Martin will be speaking to us later, and Mark will be bringing us a talk. And there's, I can see jugs of water. I haven't got a clue what they're for, but um, hopefully he can like pour them over us a lot because we're going to get too hot here. Anyway, um, with, without further ado, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you that we can come here to worship and to praise you and to give you thanks for who you are. Lord, it's by your grace that we're saved, and we thank you for that. And so, Lord, out of the the joy that you've given us in each of our hearts. Lord, help us to praise and worship you in spirit and truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, jump, wave our hands, wave flags, whatever. Let's just give God the glory this morning.
from my selfish pride to love the cross on which you died. Grace unending all my days, you give me strength to run this race. When my ears on earth are through, the praise will all belong to you.
just bring our praises before our God this morning. Grace and unending, vast and free. Lord, thank you for your grace. We don't deserve it, yet you give it over and over and over again. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Now you offer us eternal life and forgiveness through your resurrection. Mm. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for your grace this morning, which is beyond measure. Thank you that you've poured that grace out on us, Father, in Christ. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. new in your sight Lord yes. and the, when the father looks at, at us he sees you Jesus and that's just amazing mm. so thank you Lord for that amen Maintain wise conduct amongst men so that they might see your good deeds and so glorify God. But for those who are factious and do not obey the truth, there will be wrath and fury. So let this bad behavior be put away from you, thus being kind to one another. Jesus desires all men to be saved, to come to the kingdom of truth. But the coming in power of the lawless one who is controlled by Satan will tempt many with wicked deceit all those who refuse to acknowledge the majesty of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I'll say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in the heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the right, righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's 
throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and uh, him that loveth violence, and his soul uh, hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Uh, his capital God beholds the upright. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And as we've just sang, Lord, we'll never cease to thank you for your grace. Amen. 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 Thank you. Mark, over to you. Hiya. Lovely day, isn't it? I love looking out and seeing all these smiling faces and uh, the, the lovely weather. So you might have guessed this morning um, we're talking about wisdom and more specifically uh, God's wisdom. So I've got a question for you. Do you know what the difference between wisdom and intelligence is? Anyone? Go on then, David. Knowing things, but like, uh, like knowledge, but like uh, wisdom is understanding, good use, but you put in that knowledge to good use. That's exactly right. Intelligence is knowing a lot of stuff, being able to work stuff out. But being wise is applying the stuff you know to make good choices. Um, so as I said earlier, we're talking about God's wisdom today. Um, and first of all, I need a helper. I wonder who might want to come and... Come on then, Rachel and Emily. Um, right. So, um, I've got on my piece of paper, it says a bag of Maltesers, but they're actually Galaxy Minstrels, which I think are even better, right? So, I've got this bag of Galaxy Minstrels here, and I'm going to give you a choice, right? I'm gonna, just going to open them up. So, you can have one now if you want. Do you want one now? Yeah? But you haven't heard the other choice for you. So you can either have one now or I can give you the whole bag but there is a but. You have to take this bag back to your seat and you're not allowed to have one until the very end of the service. You have to look after the bag. We'll all be watching. You have to take it out to your group and everyone will be watching you. If you have one before the end of the service you'd have to give the whole bag back. So it's, it's kind of a difficult choice, isn't it? Because from a health perspective, obviously, it'd be best just to have one now, wouldn't it? Um, and, but really, it's a whole bag of minstrels. So 
surely you want to take the whole bath. I don't know. What do you girls want to do? Deep discussion. Okay. Okay. Second option. The second option. You want to take the bag and you, you need to look after it. And you're not allowed to give it to anyone else to look after. You can't give it to mum so that you won't be tempted. You girls have got to hold on to that bag until the very end of the service. Okay. Just have a sit down there for a minute. Just on the front row. Um, because later on you'll need to see something else so but that was just a bit of fun um, and we'll come back to the bag of sweets a little bit later um, so as I said God's wisdom and as I was thinking about God's wisdom I started to think about a guy from the Old Testament you can probably guess who I was thinking about uh, a guy called Solomon he was king of Israel he was David's son and became king after David died. Now, being king, he would have received the best education, wouldn't he? Well, being a prince, he would have received the best education. He would have been quite intelligent and, and whatever. Um, and when he became king, one night, God appeared to him in a dream while he was sleeping. And God said to him, what do you want? I will give you anything that you want. Do you know what Mo Moses? Solomon answered. Um, well, let me tell you what he didn't ask for. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for success. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for honor or long life. He didn't ask for uh, military power to win battles. But what he did ask for was wisdom. Wisdom to be able to govern Israel well and make correct and just choices. Solomon's desire was for God's wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, not for all the wealth in the world and everything, God gave him that as well. So that was quite handy, wasn't it? Um, so what difference... Did God's wisdom make to Solomon's life? Well, there are many stories about Solomon's wisdom in the Bible. In fact, a lot of Solomon's wisdom is written down in different books in the Bible, like Proverbs. A lot of Proverbs was written by Solomon. Um, but one story that is told about Solomon's wisdom was when he had to decide who was the rightful mother of a baby. Now, there were these two women, and these two women lived in the same house, and they both had babies at the same time, pretty much at the same time. But sadly, one night, when they were asleep, one of the babies died. Wait. Um, and the mother of that baby woke up, and she noticed her baby was dead. So she sneakily, quietly got up and sneaked into the other lady's room and swapped the babies over. In the morning, the second mum woke up and found next to her a dead baby, but she recognised it wasn't hers. So 
the two women who lived in the same house, used to be good friends, had a bit of an argument about this baby. And um, they couldn't decide. It was quite fractious. So they went to see King Solomon. And it was quite difficult back in the day because it was one lady's word against another, wasn't it? So Solomon brought the two ladies in front of him and he said, well, they didn't have DNA tests or anything like that, did they, back in the day? So Solomon said, right, bring me a sword. So he got his sword out and he said to the ladies, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut this baby in half. And because we can't decide whose baby it is, I'm going to give one half to you and one half to you. Is that all right? And the woman that had stolen the baby said, well, yeah, that seems fair enough, doesn't it? Then we'd get half a baby each. That's fair. Because her baby had already died, hadn't it? But the real mum of the baby said, no, no, no. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Because if you do that, you'll kill my baby. Give it to the other lady. Because then at least the baby will live. And at that, Solomon knew who the real baby's mum was. So he gave the baby back to his real mum. And that is God's wisdom. You see, it's different to human wisdom. So let's get back to the bag of sweets. Come on. So we've got this bag of sweets, and the girls have chosen to have the bag of sweets so they can have them at the end of the service, the whole bag. But I wonder what Solomon would have done. You see, I think Solomon, like these, these two, would have waited, had the bag of sweets at the end. But I don't think that would have been for himself. I don't think he would have kept all of those sweets to himself, would he? He would have got the bag of sweets so that after the period of time was over, he could share those sweets with everyone else. He could give something to people who are a little bit less fortunate than themselves. And that's God's wisdom, isn't it? Um, so God's wisdom helps us to make good choices. Because, now, go and sit down right in the middle. Because um, the next bit only works if you're towards the centre of, of the church, I'm afraid. So God's wisdom, if we live our lives without being filled with God's wisdom, we tend to make selfish and bad choices, don't we? But if we live our lives being filled with God's wisdom, hopefully this works, what's happening to the arrow? If we fill our lives with God's wisdom, we make good choices. Or maybe they are God choices. How is it upside down? That's not a good choice, is it? So maybe we make God choices. Oh no, you're going to have to give that bag back. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we this morning ask God for more of his wisdom so that we can make more God choices? Thank you. Solomon would make sure that everybody gets a, a, a minstrel afterwards, especially those that were sweating up here. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you, Mark. Thank you. Anyway, it's time for the young people to go to their groups uh, or to their group. Um, and can I also have the offering, please? Thank you, Barbara. I'll just put it on the table and that's fine. Let's pray for the young people as they go out. Father God, we thank you for your, your love and for each one of our young people and for the joy that they bring to us. Lord, thank you for the, the children's talk we've just heard. Lord, thank you that you help us to make good choices and God choices, Lord. And so we just ask that as the young people are at their groups, that Lord, you would help to educate them, give them not just knowledge, but wisdom, Lord, to, to, to live their lives. And Lord, we thank you for the, um, the money that's been given this morning and also that, that go, that's gone through, um, through bank accounts. Lord, help us to have wisdom as well in how to use this money to see your kingdom extended, not just here in New Hall, but to the ends of the earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, Martin's going to come to speak to us in a moment. Um, and the passage this morning is from James. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray for Martin as he comes. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you've imparted upon, upon Martin to this week, Lord, in, in being able to deliver your word this morning. Lord, right now, just fill him with your Holy Spirit. Fill him with power. Fill him with um, a sense of, of knowledge, Lord, to impart to us your wisdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. And uh, thank you, Steve, for introducing that new song. That was great. Really enjoyed that. Great words, great tune. So we really appreciate that. That was, that was really great. And thank you, Mark, for that launch pad of a talk, which uh, really helps me out. So bless you for that. That was great. Um, please do help yourself to water. We don't want anybody sort of keeling over and falling off their chair. So if you do need a glass of water, just go and uh, it's at the back there um, on the table. So do just go and help yourself. And, uh, um, why is it important that Christians live wise and good lives? Um, part of the answer is, this, it, is that this is how the church has grown throughout history. Um, 
The sociologist Rodney Stark in his book, The Rise of Christianity, um, charts that Christianity grew by 40% a decade between AD 40 and AD 350. In AD 40, he estimates there were around 1,000 Christians, but by AD 350, over 30 million Christians. I think you'd agree that's remarkable growth. What accounts for such remarkable exponential growth? Well, the factors obviously are many and complex, but Stark says that the biggest one is distinctiveness in Christians. In other words, Christians living differently from non-Christians is the biggest growth factor. Stark states that a successful religious movement must not must be avoid being seen as completely alien or incomprehensible. But on the other hand, it must also have distinguishing features that set it apart in its cultural setting, including the behavioral demands made upon its converts. In other words, there has to be a difference between the lifestyle of a Christian and the, the lifestyle of a non-Christian. Historian Larry Hurtado cites evidence to demonstrate the distinctiveness of early Christians. Um, he cites a second century text known as the Epistle of Diognetes. I quote, Christians are not distinguished from the rest of humanity by country, language or custom and do not practice an eccentric way of life. Nevertheless, although Christians follow local customs in dress and food, they also demonstrate the remarkable and admittedly unusual character of their own citizenship. That's, uh, he's writing in the second century AD. For example, the writer states that Christians do not discard unwanted babies, as was the practice in early Roman culture. The writer also states that Christians do not retaliate when they're despised or persecuted. Another distinctive is that Jesus is worshipped as the son of God who reveals God's character. So these are the sort of distinctives that set Christianity apart in its cultural context. What I'm finding really interesting today is that atheistic historians are recognizing the part that Christianity has played historically in transforming society. Fascinating move. For example, the historian Tom Holland, and I, I recommend his book, Dominion, a fabulous piece of work. This is an atheist, by the way, writing. Quote Tom Holland, Christianity revolutionized sex and marriage demanding that men control themselves and prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity confined sexuality within monogamy. It is ironic, Holland notes, that these are now the very standards for which Christianity is derided today. This is an atheist speaking. Interestingly, a number of other atheist writers, including Douglas Murray and Jordan Peterson, who you may have heard of, are also urging Western society not to jettison Christian wisdom, but to embrace it. God is raising up prophets outside of the church to remind us of the importance of living out Christian distinctiveness. God can speak through the stones and God can raise up and cause even atheist thinkers to call the church to faithful living. And he's doing that. 
I find it fascinating. The church has got to wake up to what God is saying. Even atheists recognize the value of Christian wisdom. We should start living out this stuff. James, in his letter to writing to a group of primarily Jewish Christian congregations in or around Syria, who appear to be losing their distinctiveness, right? These Christians James is writing to are blending in with the world. They're doing and behaving and speaking just like the culture around them. And James has some pretty strong words for these people. Listen to this. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? He's not mucking around here, is he? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You can't sit on the fence. You're either following Christ wholeheartedly, committedly, or you're an enemy of God. That's what the word says. You can't compromise. There are no gray areas. You know, you can't say, I'll just try and blend in with the, with the bits of the Bible that I like. And I'll jettison the bits that are uncomfortable for the culture. We have to read scripture carefully and apply it contextually and carefully, granted. But at the end of the day, there will be parts of scripture that our culture will not like. Right? They won't agree with it. But that's the point. Even atheists recognize that we need to return to Christian distinctives. It's good for our culture. It's good for our society, and it's good for the gospel. James instructs the Christians to regain distinctiveness by asking for wisdom from heaven and then living it out. Um, James 3 calls uh, the churches to live by true wisdom rather than false wisdom. True wisdom comes from heaven, from above, from God. False wisdom comes from the world. There is plenty of false wisdom out there. If you go to the self-help section in Waterstones, there are so many self-help books out there now, it's untrue. If you want worldly wisdom, you can get it in abundance. But we as Christians need to get our wisdom from above, right? Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To fear God is to honour God in awe and reverence. To fear God is to glorify him through our worship of him. To fear God is to humbly submit to his will for our lives and obey his teachings. In this way, we bring him glory. Wisdom, as um, David rightly said, thank you, is the ability to apply knowledge of God's will rightly in the whole of life. And James says that if we lack wisdom, I, I lack wisdom every day, by the way. Anybody? This is what we should do. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It's not only Solomon who gets wisdom. We are all called to ask for wisdom. Now, it needs to be said that we can grow in wisdom by asking for more of it, but only God is perfectly wise. The last song we have today talks about the perfect wisdom of our God. God is perfectly wise because he applies his perfect knowledge of himself and the world 
to, to doing his perfect will. God is infinite and unlimited, and his wisdom is therefore unlimited and perfect because he is unlimited and infinite. And therefore, because he knows himself perfectly, his, he applies his, his knowledge of himself perfectly in wise actions and speech. And God's wisdom is seen specifically in creation. Psalm 104 verse 24 says this. Sorry, that should be 104, not 124. I don't know why I put mistake. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Um, I don't know if you, uh, it's hard not to praise God for his wisdom in creation, isn't it? On a day like this, you know, it's everywhere. God's imprint, God's wisdom. If you just pick up a leaf and look at the intricacy, look under a microscope, a, a, a creature, just see the intricacy, the beauty, the order, the wisdom of God worked out in his creation. The beauty of the stars at night. It's all there, isn't it? This is a God who is unlimited in knowledge, infinite in his goodness and creativity. His goodness, love, beauty, glory overflow in his wisdom in creation. It's as if creation is a playground of our good God. We do not share God's perfect wisdom and we do not have his perfect knowledge of past, present and future. So, as human beings, there will frequently be times when we do not understand why God allows things to happen. Anybody been there as a Christian? You just don't see the beginning from the end. We don't have God's perfect knowledge, God's perfect wisdom. Um, it's as if, if you've, if you've ever seen a tapestry, um, if you turn the tapestry round, all you see is the, the, the kind of knots and tangles of threads. It, it looks confusing. It looks a mess, but when you turn the tapestry round, there's a beautiful picture at the front, isn't there? Often as, as people, as humans, we only get to see the back side of the tapestry. We all see the threads that look tangled and confusing, but God sees the bigger picture on the front, right? He is weaving together his perfect plan, and we don't get to see the big picture. We see through a glass darkly, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. We don't understand, we don't have the wisdom to be able to see why everything happens in our lives and in the world. We simply have to trust God that he is sovereign and he knows what is best for us ultimately. And that his plan for us goes into eternity, of course. It is not just for this life. God has a plan for you and me in eternity. And one day we will see that plan. We'll see the front of the tapestry in full Today, we only see in part. So there will be things that we cannot understand, which leads Paul to, to worship. When we, um, Romans 11, can we put that up? Thank you. Oh, the depth of the riches of, of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Rather than uh, kind of going, whoa, God, dear, don't know why this has happened, moaning and whinging, Paul praises God. Do you see the difference? Why have you allowed this to happen to me, Lord? Paul goes, oh, moment of worship. The depths 
of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He doesn't, even the Apostle Paul with his mind doesn't understand all of the ways and wisdom of God. But it leads him to worship, leads him to trust, it leads him to praise. And the same should be with us. We know God's plan into eternity. We know that he will renew us and the whole creation. So we can praise him and trust him as the sovereign creator God who has a plan into eternity. Um, wisdom is the gift of God that all of us need to apply God's knowledge, God's to knowing what to do every day, in every moment, in every decision. Um, God wants you and I to live good lives that bring glory to him. That's why you exist as a Christian, to give God glory by living good lives among non-Christians so that the glory would go to him. That's your purpose, to glorify Jesus. Things in James's teaching about living wisely. First, wisdom is demonstrated in good deeds and humility. Second, we're not to pursue false worldly wisdom Third, we're to pursue true wisdom from heaven. And fourth, we're to keep on asking for more wisdom. So first, wisdom is demonstrated in good deeds and humility. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James was writing to churches where some in the church were claiming to have a special knowledge and wisdom from God that others didn't have. They were saying, look, I've got a hotline to God. I know better than others. And James isn't interested in these kind of claims of wisdom and knowledge. He's only interested in whether wisdom works itself out in good deeds and humility. The very fact that these people are proud and are boasting and are arrogant reveals that they're not actually living by true wisdom at all. The truly wise will not brag about having special knowledge and insight and understanding. They will just get on with loving their neighbor with humility. Living uh, a quiet life of service, not pushing themselves forward, not seeking affirmation, but just simply getting on with serving and loving others. That's what true wisdom looks like. Doesn't self-promote, it promotes the good of others, right? Second, Christians should avoid worldly wisdom, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down uh, from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. James chapter four, verse one states that there were fights and quarrels among the Christians that James was addressing. There were people in angry competition with one another. There was jealousy and envy in the church. Christians seemed to be jealous of each other's wealth, each other's status and power. They were seeking to put each other down to gain more status, more wealth, etc. They were slandering one another and fighting for their own rights and opinions to be heard. Sort of one-upmanship was everywhere. James says this is worldly wisdom and comes from the devil. It's demonic in source. Derek Tidball, in his popular commentary on James, I was quite surprised to see this in, in the commentary, but he says that he witnessed 
in a church meeting that he was uh, chairing, he literally witnessed a fistfight between two Christians arguing over a matter that came up in the church meeting. That's, I mean, how ridiculous and sad is that? But more subtly, more subtly, slandering other Christians or putting others down to try and increase our own status would be an example. This is demonic earthly wisdom. Um, I sometimes like to look at um, sports leaders, coaches, managers, just to see what wisdom they offer. And I looked up Clive, you remember Clive Woodward, the 2012 England rugby coach? He took England to, to, the, to win the final against Australia in 2012. And he says this, it only takes one individual to ruin the spirit of a team and prevent success. And he says, if a team player goes behind someone's back and criticizes that player without working out their differences face to face, the whole team unity and spirit is destroyed, right? In other words, you're in it together to unity is absolutely key. It's the same in the church. If we slander one another behind each other's backs, we destroy the, the unity the Holy Spirit gives us and the church will not function healthily. Go to the person directly, do not slander them. Work it out in person with the person. Don't, we're, we're a team, right? We're on team Jesus together. Work it out together to maintain the unity. Third, Christians should pursue true wisdom from above, from heaven, verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Um, Christians who live by true wisdom seek to bring peace in the church. Christians who live by true wisdom do not slander others because they envy the wealth, status, power of others. Christians who live by true wisdom do not try to win every argument over debatable points of doctrine. Um, there are points of doctrine that are not debatable. There are plenty of those. But there are points of doctrine where not all of us will agree on everything, right? Um, we, we had a fascinating discussion in our young adults group last week about how old is the earth. Um, we just decided to go there and uh, talk about the creation story. And the WhatsApp messages, I think, I think they numbered probably over 200 through, through the week. So my phone was just pinging, you know, all week, which was great uh, in a way, although trying to read them is impossible, but uh, you know, there are, there are things that we're not going to agree on, right? And, and actually, it doesn't matter, ultimately. Um, there are points of doctrine that we have to hold. I would say same-sex marriage is one, without question. We don't hold that, we're in real trouble, because it's mandated in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus refers to same-sex marriage in Matthew 19, says that a man and a woman shall be joined together. He refers back to Genesis 1 there. There is no debate. The only debate is whether you believe scripture or not. 
you know, it's clear. So there are points of debate, but there are plenty of things that uh, are stated uh, clearly in scripture and are not up for debate. But if we disagree with people, we should do so peacefully, gently, humbly. Not seeking to always win the argument and shout louder than somebody else, but be willing to listen to their point of view and work it through. That's only though where doctrine is not clear. Where doctrine's clear, we stand by it, even when it's unpopular. Christians who live by true wisdom will be people of integrity whose lives are marked by purity and consistency. Christians who live by true wisdom will be stable and trustworthy. In other words, they'll be the sort of people that you seek out for advice and wisdom, right? Because you know they live consistent lives of purity and integrity. You'll, you'll go to them when you've got difficult questions and seek their wisdom. Again, uh, Clive Woodward points out that in a successful rugby team, when an individual strives to go the extra yard for the team, it inspires every team member to strive for excellence too, right? So when you strive for an excellent life of purity in the church, you inspire others in the church to strive to live in the same way that you are living, right? You inspire others. So your lifestyle speaks volumes, whether you like it or not. If you live a holy life, a wise life, a pure life, a consistent life, a life of integrity, others will be inspired to live your way. Fourth, Christians should keep on asking for wisdom. Have you noticed that life is a, is a series of decisions that need to be made? Um, some days, seem, one decision seems to have to be made after another, doesn't it? Um, some days more than others. Life is a series of moving from one struggle and difficulty to another, isn't it? We, we won't get free of those this side of glory, sorry. So I've got news for you. Um, there is no perfect day where you cruise through and go, oh, that was a breeze. No decisions to be made, no dilemmas, no struggles, no temptations. What a breeze. Oh, glory, Lord. You will notice every day has its battles, its struggles, its temptations, its decisions, its dilemmas. It's complicated life, isn't it? So what do we need? We need, sorry? Wisdom. Sorry, I've got blocked ears. I couldn't hear you. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Facing a dilemma? Ask for wisdom. Facing a difficult decision? Ask for wisdom. Struggling with why am I suffering? Ask for wisdom. Struggling with disappointment, frustration? Ask for wisdom. Every day, every moment, if necessary, ask for wisdom. Um, I, when I remember to do this, I tried to, to do this. At the beginning of a meeting, great prayer to ask the Spirit for wisdom. Before you begin chairing or leading a meeting, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Whether that's a small group meeting or a business meeting, whatever it is, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. That applies in the workplace as it does in the church. We can never have enough wisdom, can we? You can't outgrow God's perfect wisdom. We, we need more of it. 
We'll always have dilemmas, struggles, difficult decisions, choices that are overwhelming. So we need to keep asking for wisdom every day and sometimes several times a day. The Bible points us to Jesus, God's perfect wisdom. Wisdom from God, as Jesus is called. So if you're going to live wisely, you are, need, you are going to need to be meditating on the Bible, which points to Jesus, the perfect wisdom of God, by the way, every day. If you don't read the word of God, you are not seeing the wisdom of God personified in Jesus every day. You are going on with the world, looking at Facebook, looking at WhatsApp and all the rest of it, being influenced by all these worldly wisdom. If you don't feed on, meditate, spend time reading God's word every day and praying through it, you are going to be influenced more by worldly wisdom than wisdom from above. Fact. Right? So why don't we prioritize God's wisdom in his word? Why are we endlessly scrolling through social media, spending minutes, hours scrolling through this stuff? Why don't we just give ourselves a little window in the day to look at this stuff and spend more time reading God's word and seeking to live wisely? I'm not saying come off social media, it's useful. I wouldn't be able to communicate with my young adults group if I wasn't on WhatsApp, right? We need it, but let's not be dominated by it. Let's control the amount of time we spend in worldly wisdom. So much nonsense on TikTok and Instagram. It's just nonsense. It's worldly wisdom. So it's a bit of a soapbox of mine, as you can tell. We don't spend enough time saturating ourselves in God's <laughs> wisdom. We don't. We waste time on worldly wisdom. The wisdom of God is seen in the cross. The world sees the cross and sees the foolishness of God. And the Bible says the foolishness of God is greater than man's wisdom. Amazing. And the world sees folly in the cross. God sees wisdom because Jesus had to die to rescue us and to bring us back to God, to pay for our sins on the cross. Maybe you're someone who's never come to the cross to receive Jesus, the wisdom of God. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you speak to a Christian in the room at the end of the service and say, do you know what? I want Jesus. I want to know his wisdom. I want to know God's forgiveness, God's life. I want to live for Jesus and not by worldly wisdom. Why don't you find somebody today and pray, pray a prayer inviting Jesus into your heart? But for all of us as Christians, God wants you and I to go on asking for more wisdom. You will face tomorrow morning in the workplace struggles, dilemmas, choices, decisions to be made. In your family, there are dilemmas, choices, struggles, decisions to be made. In your school, university, the same applies. Every day, every moment, we face dilemmas. And God wants you and me to live lives of consistency, integrity, purity, that give the glory to Jesus. That's how he's worked it out. He wants you and I to live lives that are distinct and different from the world so that God gets the glory. The world is not looking for chameleon Christians who blend in. They're not interested in that. 
The world is looking for people who demonstrate the beauty, purity, light of Jesus. That's what will draw people. Light draws people. It's attractive. It's beautiful. If we blend in and just compromise, that's not attractive. That's not beautiful. That doesn't glorify Jesus. Let's be a people that shine as a light in a dark world. Let's be a people who live by wisdom from above, not being squeezed into the mold of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that, Lord, we do not always live by wisdom from, from heaven. Lord, we allow ourselves to be shaped and molded and influenced far too much by worldly wisdom. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I sense that some of us may well know in our hearts that there are aspects of our lifestyle that are sinful habits and patterns that we have not ever repented of, turned away from. And I want to give an opportunity now Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind, bring conviction in those of us, Lord, who are struggling with a particular sinful pattern or behavior that is dishonoring to you and to your church. Lord, would you help us to repent now, to turn away from that sin and to turn back to Jesus? I'm going to give a moment of quiet for you to do that now. Holy Spirit, would you give us the power to live by true wisdom from heaven, to turn away from sin and to live godly lives of purity and integrity that the glory might go to Jesus. For in his name we ask it. Amen. Thank you, Steve. So as Martin said, we're going to finish off by singing the perfect wisdom of our God. Yeah.
So, Lord, as we go out into this week, Lord, grant us wisdom, wisdom from heaven. Lord, help us to choose the right things to do. Lord, would you just help us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, help us to ask for wisdom, help us to receive wisdom, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to remain in the sanctuary for prayer, then please uh, stay behind. Otherwise, can we all quietly please go into the lounge and have coffee? Thank you.